up next on Walking by Faith. Satan did not realize that God's plan to strip Satan of his authority, to pay for your sin and my sin, was to put on a suit of humanity, to come down, to die on a cross in your place, in my place, and by doing so, defeat the devil and conquer death, sin, and the grave. That was God's plan. Hey, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith. Thank you for being with us today. And I'm excited about the message. Now, what we're doing is we're going back to the beginning of Christendom. We're going back to literally the first century, or literally 110. About 10 years after the Apostle John died in the year 110, we had the Apostles' Creed in basically the same form as we have it today. And throughout the centuries, billions and billions and billions of Christians have confessed the Apostles' Creed. In fact, in the second century, when you wanted to be water baptized, it was the creed that you spoke before you were water baptized. It was referred to as the rule of faith. What Christians believe. Again, in Jude, the third verse, it says that the faith was once and for all delivered to the saints. And so often today we have people who want to pick and choose what they're going to believe. But the true Christian faith was delivered once for all. What they believed in the first century were to believe in the 21st century. I want you to come with me as we go into this message as we're unpacking the Apostles' Creed. Through the centuries and literally the millennium, right, billions of Christians have made this confession. And uh, we are beginning each one of our sessions as we're going through here, confessing the Apostles' Creed together. So if we can get the words up on the screen, here we go. Let's repeat it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. All right. Well, we are talking about conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We've been looking at that phrase. Now, Christianity has its foundation in two supernatural events. The first being the incarnation, God becoming flesh, Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary. The second being the resurrection from the dead, right? Without both of them, Christianity simply ceases to exist, right? It, it becomes no more than a philosophy, no more than a moral code, right? And you, you'll have people say, yeah, well, Jesus, he was a good teacher. Well, that's really kind of funny, right? Because they don't like what he taught, number one, right? And secondly, he either is who he said he is, the son of God who came to redeem us, or he's a liar or he's crazy, and neither of those are very good. Right? But what we believe is that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It is God speaking to us and that it is true. 
that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Right? And it gives us the authority for our lives, how we live, what we believe, the moral decisions that we make. Now, we're talking about Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, it reads this way. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I don't know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One that is to be born will be called the Son of God. And Matthew wrote this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit. And again, we mentioned that the virgin birth is one of the foundations of Christianity. God putting on a suit of humanity and coming down. Now, the reason for that is found all the way back in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve are in this beautiful garden. Satan comes and tempts them. Now, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them and put in them everything he wanted for all of humanity. But when they bowed their knee and sinned, bowed their knee to Satan, something happened on the inside of them. The part of them that connected with God, we can say it went dormant. You can say that it died. But that part of them just ceased to function, right? And literally something came on the inside. In Romans 5 it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, death, sickness, disease, war, famine, pestilence, prejudice, you name the sin, it came into the world. It came into their, their being, so to speak. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 7, verse 23, that the law of sin abides in my members. In Romans 7, Paul is saying, you know, I want to do right, but the right that I want to do, I don't do. And the wrong that I don't want to do, I do. Anybody ever experience that? And he says, what's happening is there is something inside me, in my members, in my physical body. He says, there is the law of sin. There is this tendency to keep on doing wrong, to keep doing wrong, to keep doing wrong. Where did it come in? It came from Adam. When Adam fell, it came into his life. And he passed it on from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. Right? And so what we needed, we needed another Adam. We need another one that God put everything in and it was never contaminated. In fact, your whole Bible, listen, is written about two people and their families. And both of them have the same name. Not that your whole Bible is about two people and their family, how people are connected to them, 
and both of them have the same name. You find it right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being or a living soul. The first man, Adam, lived in the garden, married to a girl named Eve. But then it says the last Adam. There was a second Adam. You know him as Jesus. But the Bible calls him the last Adam. That he was a life-giving spirit. It says the first Adam was of the earth made of dust. The second man was the Lord from heaven. Jesus is the last Adam. The first Adam represented us in everything that he did and got us into trouble. I like to say it this way. The first Adam got us into trouble by eating the fruit from a tree. But the last Adam got us out of trouble hanging on a tree, paying for your sins and my sins. And that is good news. Say, before we get right back into today's message, I want to take just a moment to celebrate a couple of testimonies with you. People whose lives have been changed by walking by faith. Thanks to your support and your prayers. Now, Patty from New York says, my husband and I were saved almost a year ago when we prayed with you to turn our lives over to God. We're very thankful for your program and we take it to heart. We realize that you're doing what Jesus commanded all of us to do, sending the gospel around the world. And we're doing it through technology. And I want you to have a part in what we're doing, changing individual lives like these. With the gospel is the reason that Walking by Faith program exists. And I want to thank you for making it possible through your giving and your prayers. You know, Jesus told us when one person repents, there's rejoicing in heaven. But, but uh, what we need to be doing is not just having the angels rejoice. We need to be rejoicing as well. And I want you to be a part of having impact in people's lives all around the world, in your neighborhood, but literally in places that you and I will never go. All the information that you need to become a partner is on the screen right now. And your gift will be used to win souls and transform lives. Now, the Apostles' Creed continues and said he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Now, Pontius Pilate was governor, we would probably refer to as a governor today, from 26 A.D. to 35 A.D. And the Jewish people, particularly their leaders, they brought Jesus to Pilate because they were not permitted to use capital punishment and they wanted Jesus to die. Now, when he came before Pilate, it was very obvious to Pilate that he was not an ordinary criminal. There was no cringing. He wasn't panic-stricken. He wasn't pleading for mercy. He was calm, serene, regal, uh, He looked more like the judge than the defendant. But Pilate knew that Jesus was not guilty. But he ultimately caved under political pressure. His wife had a dream and sent him this message. Have nothing to do with that just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. He had that operation. First he knew in his heart. Then his wife sent him a message. He didn't want to make the call, so he sent Jesus to Herod, the local king, of the, and he sent him back. He was hoping that he wouldn't have to make the call. So then he said, well, you know what? It's the Passover time, and I'm supposed to release a prisoner for you. Would you like me to release Jesus? And they said, no, we want Barabbas, who was a criminal who had committed murder in an insurrection. 
Right? Now, he may have wanted to do justice, and he may have set out to follow principle over prejudice. And he could even say, well, I just wanted to do what was right for the citizens of Jerusalem. Right? But Pilate, because he was afraid to do right, he did wrong. He was afraid if he would let Jesus go, it would be political suicide. And so people say, well, he's at fault. He delivered Jesus up to be crucified. But the Bible says in Romans 4, 25, who, speaking of Jesus, was delivered up because of our offenses. The reason Jesus went to the cross was not because Pilate was negligent, not because the crowd cried crucify him. The reason he went to the cross was because of your offenses and my offenses. That's why he went to the cross. <laughs> Revelation 13 talks of Jesus as of a land's flame from the foundation of the world. God, you, you might say that he can cheat, that it's not really cheating when you're God. But you don't know what's going to happen next week. But you know what? God can look ahead and see. And before God even created the earth, he looked ahead and he saw that he was going to have to send Jesus to redeem us. He was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It was God's hidden plan. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. When it's talking here about the rulers of this age, it's talking about Satan and demon power. It said they did not understand that it was God's plan to send Jesus to the cross. Hebrews 2.14 says that the children partook of flesh and blood, so he himself likewise partook of the same, that through death he, Jesus, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Satan did not realize that God's plan to strip Satan of his authority, to pay for your sin and my sin, was to put on a suit of humanity, to come down, to die on a cross in your place, in my place, and by doing so, defeat the devil and conquer death, sin, and the grave. That was God's plan. The devil did not know. So Pilate washed his hands and said, go ahead, you take him, and crucified him. And they took him out, and they came to the place called Calvary, otherwise called Golgotha, or the place of the skull. And there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And above his head, Pilate had written in three languages, the king, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The accusation against you, the, the, the crime you had committed would be put above your head. So passersby would knew what you had done. And above his head, it said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And if you had been there, that's what you would have seen. But I want you to understand this. There was much, much more that was happening. Now, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's like taking a picture with your iPhone. You see, what you see is what you get. If you take your iPhone out and take a picture of my foot, you see a black shoes, black socks, black pants. That's it. But if you get an x-ray camera and take the same picture, how many of you know what you're going to see is totally different? It's totally different. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are like your iPhone. But the epistles, 
Now, they are letters that were written to the churches that had been started. And in those letters, what we do is God gives us an x-ray picture. We see into the spirit realm what happened, what God saw happen that day. So God did something that day that if you would have been there and you could have seen into the spiritual realm, you would have seen more than what Pilate put on that cross. The Bible says in Colossians 2 that God came to that cross. Listen, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he, God, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You say, what is that about? Well, the handwriting of requirements. That's what it's about. You say, what's that? Well, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and God's up there and he spends 40 days with God. And the Bible says that God took his finger and he wrote. God wrote. Those are the handwriting. All right. Uh, we, we sometimes just talk about the Ten Commandments. How many of you heard of them? All right. All right. But actually there's a bunch more. All right. if, if you actually ask any Orthodox Jew, they will tell you there are 613 commandments. Now, some of them are ritual commandments. They have to do with washings and sacrifices, and others are moral commandments. Right? But God took the list of all the sins that you could ever commit. God took the list of every, every single sin, and he came down in the Spirit, and he nailed it to Jesus' cross and said, he is dying and paying for every one of these sins. Now, again, Romans chapter 4, verse 25, says he was raised when you were justified. Literally, what it means is the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead is proof that every sin is 100% completely paid for. That is great news. Great news. Crucifixion was the worst death that anyone could die. No Roman citizen, no matter what they did, could be crucified. It was painful, humiliating, and agonizing, agonizing death. But what happened at that cross, God put all of your and my sin upon Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he took his righteousness and made it available to us. Now, particularly the first century and into the second century, most of the preaching that was done was done to Jewish people. Right? And the, the early Christians, they're, they're, one of their, their main arguments about Jesus being the Messiah was they would go back into the Old Testament and show pictures of Jesus. And the favorite one, by the way, was with Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. Now, for years, Abraham and Sarah have been married. Over 50 years, no children. No children. And Abraham is serving God. He's continually worshiping. He's building altars to the Lord. But finally, when he's 100 years old, he has a child, Isaac. And he goes crazy over this kid. Right? This kid is spoiled rotten. All right? Now, I remember somebody, somebody said to our daughter, Stephanie, you know, we had three boys and then a girl, and said, you're spoiled. And she says, no, I'm not, because I'm thankful. I thought, that's good. I like that. But he kind of like spoiled this kid. And one day, God came to Abraham, 
and said to him, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah. And on that mountain, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. He gets up the next morning, takes a three-day journey, goes to Mount Moriah, and climbs up on that mountain, the place that God had told him. He built an altar there, placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, don't lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I know now that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called, on the, called the name of the place. The Lord will provide Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it, the sacrifice, will be provided. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I've sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing, haven't withheld your son, your only son. And blessing I'll bless you, and multiplying I'll multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, the sand of the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Now, we know where Abraham went. It went to Mount Moriah. And you can go to the spot today. We were just there a couple months ago. We've got a picture right here. If you were to go today, that, right underneath that gold dome, now that's sitting on the Temple Mount, by the way. It's called the Dome of the Rock. Right underneath that dome is the place where Abraham was going to kill his son. Christians believe that. Jewish people believe that. Um, followers of Islam believe that. Everybody believes it. It's that, that is the spot right there. All right? Now that... It's sitting on the Temple Mount, which is about 35, maybe a little more, maybe up to 40 acres is the Temple Mount. It's right in that same spot where years later, a thousand years later, by the way, David comes and makes a sacrifice. And he, he makes a sacrifice to stop a plague that is about to hit the city of Jerusalem. And then it's in that same spot where a few years later, David's son Solomon builds the temple. It's the same spot, right? You can see it. Now, right now, if you, you would be standing on the Mount of Olives and you'd be looking back. Now we're back on the Temple Mount and we're looking to the east. And what you see there, the trees, those are the Mount, that's the Mount of Olives. Now, at the foot of the Mount of Olives, I'm thinking it's a quarter mile away. Maybe it's a little bit more. This is the road you'd walk down and you'd come to the foot of the Mount of Olives. And when you get there, you'll see a place that's called Calvary or Golgotha or the place of the skull. Right? That's what it looked like up until about two months ago. Right? You can still see the eyes, the nose, the mouth. A piece of it just fell off two months ago. So you go now and it's a little bit harder to see, but that's what it looked like up until about two months ago. And Jesus is crucified right at the base of that spot right there. That was where he was crucified. The garden tomb's just a couple hundred yards, maybe 300 yards off. Right? So Abraham is up there and God speaks to him. And says, don't sacrifice your son. And he said, Jehovah Jireh, in this mountain, it, literally, the sacrifice will be provided. And 2,000 years later, God sent his only son. And he went to that same spot. And he was sacrificed for your sin and my sin. 
Now, we don't know this for sure, but many Bible scholars believe this because of what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John 8, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. He said, Abraham saw my day, saw Jesus' day. What's Jesus' day? Jesus' day, Jesus' purpose was to come and die at Calvary. And many Bible scholars believe, if Abraham, in fact, when you're standing there today, if you were to knock out that wall, you could look right down and you could see Golgotha. From where Abraham was standing, he could look and see the spot where Jesus was going to be crucified. And many scholars believe, because of what Jesus said, that God gave Abraham a vision that day. And he saw a cross. And he saw a son on that cross who died to pay for your sins and my sins. And he died so that Abraham's son would not have to die. And he didn't just die so Abraham's son wouldn't have to die. He died so you wouldn't have to die and I wouldn't have to die because the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal separation from God. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and he was buried. But what he did, he did for you and he did for me. As you've been watching today, if in your heart you're saying, you know, I need to get right with God, I'm away from the Lord, and you want to get right, I want to invite you right now, just close your eyes and pray this prayer with me from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. Thank you for blood washing me from my sin, that my past is gone, that you make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you really are right with God. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. I have a book I want to send you full of bullet points to keep you on the right path, growing in your Christian life. I want to send it free of charge. All you need to do is contact us. All the information is right there on your screen. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives across the world. We would love to hear from you. If you have a story about how God has used these broadcasts to touch your life, please email us at yourstory at walkingbyfaith.tv.
Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.